Hey everyone, and welcome to Modern Creative Podcast. You already know that Joyce and I love talking about money, and it seems like you guys love that topic too. That's why we're revisiting episode number 59, where we talk about money management for creative entrepreneurs with Katie Scott of More With Money. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between. Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Today, we'll be chatting all about money management. Whether you're a nine-to-fiver, side hustler, or full-time creative, money management is so important for all of us to know. We often talk about how to grow your business, but how do you manage the money that you make? If you want to create a financially healthy business or have a good grasp on your personal finances, keep on listening because this episode is for you. Before we get started, I want to remind you to leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. You already know that Joyce and I read all of the reviews and we love to hear from you. And it helps us to reach more creatives like yourself. All right, so let's get started. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm a little bit scared with this episode, but I'm also really excited because like Diana said, we do have a guest with us today and her name is Katie Scott, the financial coach behind More With Money. So Katie has a background in accounting and finance, and she has a mission to help business owners stop hustling away all of their energy into a business that isn't paying them back. Oh my God. So good. Welcome, Katie. Do you want to say hi to our listeners? Hi there. I am so excited to be here. We're so excited to like chat money with you. <laughs> it's it's a scary topic, I feel like it, but it's obviously you're in business like it's a necessary topic. And so we're excited to kind of pick your brain. So let's start off really with if someone is listening to this episode and, you know, they're a side hustler, maybe they're ready to transition full time or they that's the goal. Who knows when it's going to happen, right? But that's the goal. What are some things that they need to prep for when making this transition to self-employment? Absolutely. There are so many things. (laughs) And from the financial side, there are several things that I think a lot of people don't immediately think of. You know, we obviously want to hit some sort of income goal, but you have to factor in what that income needs to be able to do. And that income goal may not look the same as maybe your paycheck that you already get from your day job. And so what I usually have people do is really sit down and take a look at their personal finances and really understand where they're at and where they need to go. And so you have to look at your actual monthly expenses. You have to look at the long-term expenses. What people usually forget is... um, It's a term sometimes called true expenses, or um, I usually call them your radar items, but I really encourage people to think kind of about a 12-month period about those other annual costs that could be there. So maybe quarterly or annual payments you have, plus those things that you usually forget to prepare for, like birthdays and holidays. You also have to think of like car repairs and house repairs. So figuring out all of those actual expenses and trying to take a monthly number from them so that you have a better idea of how much money you actually need to bring in to cover your cost of living. Then you also need to think about things like, you know, your retirement goals, your debt payoff goals, your savings goals. And so trying to create more of an annual vision of what your life looks like is going to give you a better idea of how much money you need to start paying yourself. 
But then to flip over to the business side, we also want to talk about your business saving for income taxes and your business being able to cover its own costs, to have room to grow and make more investments, and then to pay yourself off of that. So there's kind of a lot of moving parts. It can kind of be overwhelming, but really sitting down and getting that revenue goal and having the confidence that that revenue goal is going to serve you and your business is going to really make a lot of waves um, as far as your confidence in leaving your day job and going full-time with your business. I love that. It's like, I think that again, like maybe, maybe I'm just projecting, but I think a lot of people are scared to look at their numbers and their finances, but you do need to know like your point A, right? In order to get to point B, because you'll, you, you might be like really close to a goal. You might be a little bit farther than you thought, but you're never going to know until you establish that like baseline, like Katie mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge is power when it comes to your finances. And I know people can be terrified of them and Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to sit down and face that. I usually recommend maybe even getting another person involved to kind of sit with you. Someone that you can trust. Yeah, (laughs) just because it it can be really hard, um, especially if you have this really deeply ingrained fear over it. But ignoring it is so much worse. Like I usually equate money with children. (laughs) Uh, When you kind of leave it alone for too long and it's gotten really quiet, usually with children, that means they've gone off and gotten themselves into trouble and money can be the exact same way. So that's a great analogy (laughs) for us. It's like dogs, but (laughs) I was okay. No, I thought like Tamagotchis. Mm. That's hilarious. Diana, did you have a Tamagotchi or are you of too course. young for that? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> they brought them back. When I went to Japan, there's actually a Tamagotchi store and I bought one. And I was like, did I just spend $60 on Tamagotchi? Yes, That's I did. insane. It was like they my souvenir. They were like under a dollar before. Shut. No, they weren't. Yes, a Tamagotchi were. was yes. not under a dollar. Yes, they were. Prove it. <laughs> when I live in the countryside... Definitely you was. getting secondhand Tamagotchis in the countryside of Korea? <laughs> no, What's man. Happening? It was the it was the where you could put a quarter in like a gumball machine type of oh, situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Anyway, it's going back games. to finances. <laughs> I know. I feel like we haven't had a tangent in a while. Welcome to the show, Katie. There's tangents here. But yeah, it could be like dogs or Tamagotchis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what are some things that a creative entrepreneur needs to be aware of in order to maintain a financially healthy business, whether they're full-time, just starting, wherever they are in their journey? Hmm, what a big question. (laughs) Let's see. Well, the thing that I teach is um, a money management system for business finance. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of what's called the Profit First System. And what this system, it's it's a book and kind of just a, a relatively simple money management system that involves taking all of your income that comes into your business and allocating it out to four main areas. And this really covers kind of the main stuff that you need to focus on with your business. But those four areas being setting aside your profits. A lot of times we talk about profit being the leftover. We take our income minus our expenses and whatever's leftover is our profit or very often our loss. But this system teaches you to set that aside first as just a percentage of income and Just by being intentional about that, you're more likely to actually have a profit. So setting that aside would be huge. Um, Obviously, setting aside a percentage for your taxes, uh, saving for that in advance is a lot safer and a lot better so that you don't get hit with a giant bill next year. And then setting aside the amount to pay yourself. 
and then whatever's left over after that is going to be for your expenses. And by covering those four main areas, you're really allowing you, your business to serve everyone that it needs to serve, right? It, it serves itself with being able to cover its costs and remain profitable. It serves the government because every time you earn, earn some money, immediately a portion of that is already claimed by the government. And then it allows it to serve you, which is arguably the most important in, in that equation. That's really good. I think this is definitely different for every single person, but do you have like a general open-ended like formula for the percentages of each category? Yeah, so there is recommended um, profit-first benchmarks. And so I usually will start with these and then sort of adjust them to the person that I'm working with. But the benchmarks are usually profit percentage is between 1% to 5%. If you've never really been profitable, you can kind of start at 1% and move your way up. But the target percentage is about 5%. Taxes would be 15% of gross revenue. Paying yourself, target is 50%. So about half of all of your income. And then the remainder is 30% to go towards your operating expenses. But again, this also can change a lot, especially with the digital entrepreneurs who don't have a lot of overhead. A lot of times we can get more than 50% of your income to go towards paying yourself which is obviously super nice and something that I think a lot of us, at least people that I work with, their primary motivator for starting their business is to free up their time to do the other things that they want to do in life. So as much as they enjoy their business, they have other goals. Um, a lot of time it has to do, like for myself, with being able to spend more time with family. And with that, I really need my business to be able to give me a higher percentage than just 50%. I need it to be able to cover my bills and the personal stuff so that I'm not burdened with having to cover all of that, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally does. That's actually really helpful. And I know that most people probably know, but for those who don't know, can you just explain what like true profit is? Because maybe there's people out there who don't really know what that means. Yeah. So profit, like I said, the typical accounting equation for that is simply just income minus expenses. So whatever you have left is what's going to go into that profit number, or again, loss, but we'll stay optimistic. And so this is going to be all the money that your business has earned doing what it's supposed to be doing. So if you transferred money into it, that's not income. Or if someone else, I don't know, lent you money or you took out a business loan, which I never really recommend, that's not income. It's just going to be the money that your business actually earns. And then the expenses are going to be everything related to your business's operations, whatever your business actually needs in order to support that income that it's earning. So paying yourself is actually, unless you're incorporated, paying yourself is not a business expense. So you have to get a basic understanding of the accounting to know which things are technically qualified as business expenses. But those simple things like the cost to create the products that you make or provide the services that you provide you know, your software subscriptions, your website expenses, your marketing materials, the office supplies that go towards it, you know, all of those different expenses, that's going to give you profit. And then from that profit number is usually where you get taxed and you pay yourself. It's like paying ourselves is at the end of the road. And so that's why it's important, like Katie mentioned in her, like the exercise of figuring out like how much you, you need, it may be different than what your earning at your day job. So that's why this is really important. No, thanks for that breakdown, Katie. And I've read Profit First. Um, it's one of my like recommended business books. So 
We'll link that in the show notes too, in case you guys haven't read that book yet. It's a really easy read, but I recommend it for people that are starting businesses. I don't know if you agree with that, Katie. Well, yeah, you do, because you recommend Profit First. (laughs) Yeah, I love Profit First. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll link that in the show notes in case you guys want to read the book that we are talking about. Um, It'll explain it. There's even charts in there, guys. I like charts, so get the book. (laughs) So Katie, what are some common mistakes? Oh my gosh, so scary. What are some common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make when they are first starting their business, you know, when it comes to finances? We just want people to avoid it. Definitely, probably the first one that comes to mind is not paying yourself. And I get it when it's like those early, early days. I mean, when I started, I think my first six months, I would make like $20 here and there. So obviously, when you're in those stages, you're not really looking at paying yourself. But um, as soon as you start to have any form of consistent income coming in, you really owe it to yourself to give yourself a small reward. I don't care if you're making $10 a month (laughs) as your pay for yourself. But if your business does not reward you in some way and you can't feel that, our brains are wired to respond to those kinds of rewards. And so you will burn yourself out and it will start to feel like, why did I even start this business in the first place? This is just you know sucking the life out of me. I'm pouring all this effort into it and it's not giving me anything in return. And it's because you're not intentionally setting that aside. And so you know, usually I tell people if, you had someone working for you doing all the work that you're doing and putting in the amount of hours that you're putting into this business, would you expect them to do that for free? No, but we often shortchange ourselves. And that part, that is just huge. I think from the beginning, a lot of people wait too long to pay themselves, which is why I like the profit first system is because it believes in doing those profit items first. So Well, like I talked about with the traditional accounting formula, when profits at the end, from there you do the taxes and paying yourself. But profit first really encourages you to do that first. And then what's left over is what goes to your business. Um, and then you have to, that's where you have like a budget and you try to make a plan off of what you have that you're allowed to spend rather than just spending money as, it, as the products show up in front of your face and you're like, oh, that looks like a good idea. That looks like a good idea. It's all about being more intentional. So that's definitely the biggest mistake that I think comes to mind. The other thing that I would say real quick is, having a separate account for your business activity. I think from the beginning, as soon as you decide I'm going to start a business, I'm going to grow this into something, you need to open a separate bank account to just manage everything in there. It's going to be helpful for your budgeting, your money management, but it's also going to be helpful for your bookkeeping. Even if you don't start doing any bookkeeping anytime soon, it's going to be a thousand times easier to get that historical data and get caught up if it's all in one place. So that part right there is huge. Oh, I completely agree with that. Oh, I love the separate bank accounts. I think that paying yourself first, like I love that tip, Katie, because it also, it's like a reward. Like it's motivating you to keep this business going. And even if you're, you've had a hard day or, or you're feeling a little bit burnt out, it's like, remember you started this business because you're doing something that you love. So why not be rewarded for it too, right? Absolutely. Okay, so now that we kind of went over the mistakes, I also wanted to ask you tips on how to manage your personal as well as business finances as your business grows or as you hit those milestones. Yeah, so I usually, I kind of walk through a bit of a framework when I'm teaching people or when I'm working with a client. I liked to really start with the personal finance side of things and then reverse engineer the business to be where we need it to be. 
So kind of like I was mentioning earlier, really getting a handle on your regular expenses on the personal side, getting to know what your goals are and what they need to be. And so another system that I like to teach on the personal side of things is the Dave Ramsey baby steps that has to do with working your way towards getting independent from debt, paying off your debt, and then building savings and building wealth. That Mm. basic framework is kind of where I walk people through as far as prioritizing your goal. The most important thing to do with personal and business finances is to do one thing at a time. Uh, It's really hard to um, not try to do it all at once, but focusing on one goal at a time is going to be huge. So getting your personal finances to where it needs to be as far as covering your basic expenses and then building a small cash cushion. Um, So baby step one of the Dave Ramsey system is building a $1,000 emergency fund. And then from there, focusing all the extra money you have on paying off your debt. And once your debt is paid off, except for a mortgage, you can then focus on building a larger emergency fund and then paying off the mortgage and building wealth and saving for retirement and all that stuff. But usually those first three steps is where I start people with as far as the personal finances. Yeah, I love that because you're basically kind of like cleaning up your roots before you plant something on top of it to make sure that it's standing on solid ground. So I love everything that you just shared. Mm -hmm. It's something that a lot of people can try to earn more money to cover it up, but you really can't out earn poor financial habits. Uh, Eventually, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's the unfortunate truth that it will catch up eventually. And you really don't want that to happen. So kind of getting like you said, cleaning out those roots, getting everything set up for a foundation is huge. And so I don't want you to be working super hard on your business, finally paying yourself, and then that paycheck just disappear and you have no idea where it went or what happened to it. Because then again, it's just going to lead to that burnout and feeling like your business isn't doing what it's supposed to. So walking through that process and getting on some sort of written budget. And when I say written, I don't usually mean like on paper, (laughs) because paper budgets, I find, even though they might be fun, they might be pretty, I've seen the budget planners and Aaron Condren and all that stuff that I love. But practically speaking, a lot of times they're, they're not very flexible. And can't quite manage the complexities as things grow. So I actually recommend the budgeting tool YNAB, also known as You Need a Budget. That's my favorite Super simple. And there's like an online app version as well as Mm -hmm. a desktop version, right? Yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think they're pushing the online app version more these days. So, But they have the online version. They have a phone app. And it is my favorite. It is basically like a virtual cash envelope system and functions a lot differently from a lot of other budgeting tools. A lot of people, because I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan, expect me to promote his budgeting tool every dollar, which I used for a couple of years, but I, it doesn't even come close to YNAB for me. So um, anyway, getting on some sort of budget so that you can be intentional with your personal finances, that'll be huge. And that will give you a lot of clarity on what your business needs to pay you so that you can reach those goals. And then you can focus on getting your business revenue goal to where it needs to be now that you have some idea of maybe trying to get half of your income from your business to pay you. So it gives you a revenue goal to shoot for. And then when you have that revenue goal to shoot for, it just, everything starts to fall into place um, as far as the money management side of things. Everything you do can start working towards that number. And then you can do, like I said, that profit first system is what I recommend of taking all the money that comes in, allocating it out from these percentages and allowing yourself to be very intentional about your growth and your security. With inconsistent income, a lot of this is because it's based off of percentages. 
it adapts really well with variable income because it might not always be the same dollar figure each month. And ultimately, I think it'll all just kind of flow together. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, it totally does. Okay, so I have like a really specific question. So um, my husband and I talk about this all the time because with college and how expensive universities are, a lot of people when they graduate, they come out with a lot of debt. And just like for both of me and my husband's like background, we both are self-employed. We we both have our own businesses, but for an X amount of time, whether it was like a month or a few years or whatever, for me, like I stayed with my parents, like I lived with my parents. And when I started chasing linen in my business, and I basically like wanted to like hit my debt and like pay everything out before I moved out and started like buying new clothes or whatever. Like I just was like super, super scrappy. So I'm really like excited to say like when we got married, we were both debt free and then we were able to start our businesses from that clean slate. But I know a lot of people, maybe they went to a more expensive university or whatever the reason was. I don't, obviously everyone has their own situations. If they do have a larger amount of debt, but they want to start a business or look into, you know, starting something of their own, like what, what do you recommend? Like, are they able to kind of like pay off their debt while starting a business? Or do you think that they should wait? Like, what's your like take on that? Yeah. So first off, I can really relate um, as far as living with your parents. My husband and I are actually renting at my parents' guest house right now so that I can focus on my business without having to get another accounting totally. job. Totally. So thank you for sharing that. That's like really yeah. refreshing to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's like reality of things. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely the reality. And sometimes it can be hard to say that when I'm like, I'm a financial coach, but I live with my parents. But there is absolutely nothing wrong with making those decisions and doing what you've got to do to reach your goals. And so for us, this was important. And my parents were more than gracious enough to agree. And that's been the arrangement that works for us. So first off, never have any shame for doing what you've got to do to reach your financial goals or your business goals. That's my opinion. But then to answer your question, as far as paying off debt, I think if you can start the business with cash and not get into more debt, then do what you want to do because that business could be the thing that helps you to pay off your debt. You know, the sky's the limit when you're starting your own business and you're self-employed. The important thing is kind of doing it with cash. I'm not really a believer in taking on more debt as long as it's something that can be avoided. And so as long as it's something that you can start, and which a lot of online businesses, you don't need a business loan for, you can just get started um, very, very inexpensively. But I feel like starting that business could be the thing that helps you with being scrappy and reaching those goals faster totally. than you could have where you might have an income ceiling at whatever your job is. So I think it can be a really good resource. It's just about making sure that you have that plan because it can get overwhelming. You know, starting a business is a lot of work. And if your personal finances are kind of a mess, your personal life is a bit of a mess, it can be a lot. So taking care of yourself emotionally and making sure you have a step-by-step -step plan and you're not taking on more than you can handle is extremely important. And, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the numbers when it comes to paying off debt. But it is so much about your emotional health and human behavior and human psychology. Finance is largely based off of the person and not necessarily the math. So taking care of that side of things and making sure that you are in an emotional place to stay motivated to pursue these goals and that you are, I don't know, just, just keeping yourself safe <laughs> and balancing everything out and making sure that you have an intentional plan. That's, that's what's most important to me. 
Yeah, I love that you said intention too, because everyone's stories look different, but the intention is super important. And I just want to say, Katie, like, thank you for being transparent and sharing that, like doing what you have to do to reach your goals. And you too, Diana, it's confession time. We lived with Peyton's parents for a few years who were the best roommates ever, by the way, like shout out, I love the Hamiltons, because like for various things, but it allowed us to save like a lot of money before like moving out and before really going like full time with my business. So like, there's no shame. Like Katie said, you have to do what you have to do in order to reach your goals. Totally. And we live in Southern California. I mean, it's well, I also feel like there's a lot of in the online space, like, do I do this full time? Yes. Does Diana do this full time? Yes. Does Katie? Yes. But there's a lot of like, dude, that's amazing. But there's a lot of like, I'm a millionaire in six months. That's not my reality. That'd be nice if that was my reality, (laughs) but it's not. And so it's like, but, but who cares? Like I'm doing what I love and I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever the hell I have to do to make that a reality. Right. And to get to my goals. And so whoever's listening to this and you're feeling if there's a little bit of a comparison or imposter syndrome or whatnot, like you got to do what you have to do. And I don't care if that means you're, you're still at your day job because it pays the bills, do it. If that means uh, you are I was going to say, if that means you're living with the Hamiltons, that'd be weird if you lived with the Hamiltons. You know what I mean? (laughs) To save money, uh, rent from your parents, whatever, do it. I just want to throw that out there. No shame, guys. Yeah, it's so much sexier to build a business like that rather than like, oh, look what I have. Look Look what I drive or look what I'm wearing. And it's really hard. But I think if you truly want to make this thing happen, like that's worth the investment to kind of like think more long term. And what is that like a uh, delayed gratification? Yeah. I think that's, that's what we millennials need to focus on. <laughs> Absolutely. And m- millennials especially have a hard time with that. Exactly. Because yeah. experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I talk about a lot is really when I'm trying to help people heal a little bit. Um, a lot of people feel very ashamed and frustrated with how they got to where they are in their finances. But in a lot of ways, especially for people who are like millennials and younger, it's not 100% your fault because American society, um, especially this huge consumerist push, a lot of pushes for credit cards, you know, from the time you're 18 in college, walk in campus and you get bombarded with free pizza in exchange for signing up for credit cards all the time. You know, it's really the, the odds were stacked against you with your finances. But Knowing that today and deciding that tomorrow is going to be different and you're going to do what it takes to rebuild your foundation and build something that is different, changing your financial legacy, that is really where the change starts. Oh, so good, Katie. That was another mic drop moment. (laughs) That's how I got my Nordstrom card in college. One of my sorority sisters was working at Nordstrom and they need to like fulfill quotas to open accounts. And that's how Mm. I, and then I got a Nordstrom card. I still have it to this day, but now I feel like, damn you. (laughs) that's so funny I didn't get a credit card until I was in my 20s so it's like it's still ingrained in me that it's I don't look at it as how most people look at credit cards I'm just like no I like I'm not gonna buy anything I treat it kind of like a debit card you know like I already know I Mm -hmm. need to what I buy with it or swipe with it I have the money to pay for it right now but I feel like I'm grateful for that. But at the time, I was like, man, like, I want a credit card. I want to be like all my cool friends. But it's, I am really yeah. grateful for that. Yeah. It's so hard. I have never had a credit card. I have, Wow. I, <laughs> yep. I have um, was close to getting one when I was in college. But I sort of 
kind of discovered the principles that I live by today just in time. And so I have a non-existent credit history and really advocate for the cash-only lifestyle as one option that is not always presented to people because it's just so natural to just start relying on credit. And it's amazing to treat the credit card as just a debit card. But when you don't have that mindset going in, that's when you end up with all this consumer debt and how scary it can be because the majority of people don't stick with that. But that is the responsible management for credit cards. I did not trust myself to be able to do that because I am a spender. I love spending money. I get such a high from it. I get so much pleasure from it. I love buying things. I love buying books. I love buying things I don't need and stupid trinkets. And so I, <laughs> I knew that that was going to be a weak point for me. And Totally, totally. I love how we're all sharing our stories because at the end, it just proves that everyone has different stories and backgrounds and it's completely fine like where you come from whether you saw your parents having debt or whether you have debt yourself or don't or whatever i think it's really cool that you know we as women in this generation and it's kind of like our time to shine right and money management kind of helps us move forward and even like empowering and impacting the world that we live in today so i think that's pretty cool I really appreciate like we're not taught this in school, right? And so I feel like maybe I didn't realize it in college or maybe it was timing, but I feel like a lot more there's we have a lot more tools now than our parents did, right? So if you're someone who, you know, Katie had mentioned like that's a real thing like being in consumer debt and having shame around it. Like we have tools to reverse that or to fix it or to get out of it now, like more than any other generation like definitely more than our parents so kind of utilize it because it is sad that we're not really taught this in school yeah it's it's devastating (laughs) that we're not taught this in school yeah i just who remembers calculus not joyce (laughs) but this would have served me better you know yeah i know and that's something that the, the school that i went to i went to a smaller college but they made it a requirement for students to take a personal finance class and it was like barely a credit. I don't even know. It was like a one credit class. If that, it was just this tiny little thing that we had to take, but it was, I feel like the catalyst for me, just at least getting some exposure to the topic. And I can't even tell you a thing that I really learned in that class, but I remember it sparked my interest and it led me to start looking this stuff up and it changed, literally changed my life being put on that path. Cause before that, I hated talking about money. I mean, anything in the world that had to do with money, like I didn't understand it. I would get frustrated trying to understand it. It went in one ear and out the other. And so finally, someone just sparked my interest. And I finally went and sought answers to the questions that I had. It changed everything for me. I love that your college did that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something that I had to do in college. So that's awesome. So if someone doesn't have that awesome experience in college, where can they learn more about personal and business finances? I know you kind of shared some resources, but I'd love to know if you have additional or tools of of where people can like educate themselves on the subject. Yeah. So I feel like the unofficial framework that I have that I teach people, it's just like pulling from all these little tiny places and little resources. So I've kind of mentioned every little bit of this stuff before, but I'll go through it again. So from the personal finance side of things, I would go with the Dave Ramsey system and looking into just all of that stuff. He is a huge teacher for getting out of debt and staying out of debt and not relying on credit cards and loans to fund your life. 
Um, so just walking through that kind of framework can be useful. So I like going to those resources. And then I like the You Need a Budget budgeting tool and their financial principles. They have their own system, which is why it's different from other apps, um, is because it's based off of different financial principles and money management principles. So looking into that, they even have a book all about it. But looking into that tool and those teachings, and then moving into the business finance world and talking about profit first, that is just a huge system. There's the traditional profit first method that has you manage those, those different accounts we talked about in different bank accounts. And I've done that myself and I did really enjoy it. But when I started using YNAB, I realized that I could adapt the profit first system into YNAB, the you need a budget tool without having to have multiple bank accounts. And that made it easier for me because I'm really, really lazy and I need shortcuts for literally everything I do in life. So that was awesome for me. So that's kind of, those are the resources that I really like to point people to. And then I guess myself, um, where I really like to blend all these things together and get them to apply to digital entrepreneurs specifically, and just kind of walking through it all as a holistic element, I guess. So we're definitely going to link everything that Katie has mentioned throughout the show, as well as where you can find her in the show notes. So whatever platform you're listening to us on, be sure to expand the show notes and all the information is there. All the information is there for every episode that we have, just FYI, guys. But thank you so much, Katie, for joining us, for talking about goals and knowing where you're at so that you know where you need to go and profit. And like Diana mentioned earlier, thank you for being transparent and like sharing a little bit more of your story, because then it just sparked this whole roundtable of this is actually what we did, uh, you know, when we were first starting. So thank you for that. And um, guys, if you have any questions for Katie, like I said, you can check out the show notes go out reach out to katie if you want to learn more about money management and thank you as always for listening we will catch you in the next episode